Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where today I'm joined by Chris Cook, a British Olympian, two times Commonwealth champion and record holder that now teaches a new generation of kids what it takes to swim and live at your best. So we dive deep on this episode into what it really takes to become the best in the world and master your craft, why you need to have skin in the game to perform at your best, and most importantly, what it's like to trip on stage in front of 2,000 people. Let's dive right in. What I always love learning from athletes is, is especially you have this incredible ability to take these lessons they've learned from swimming and then translate them in a way that makes sense for other people so they can apply it to yeah. their overall lives, whether it's to business, to family life, or to sports as yeah. well. So Yeah, that, sorry, that is a skill. There's a, there's a new skill there, actually. There's one thing knowing it. There's another thing communicating it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent the last 10 years since retiring from swimming or expiring, as I always say to people. <laughs> I, swam so long. <laughs> I was nearly 30 by the time I retired in swimming, and that's... Ki- at the time, it was it was seen as reasonably old, but I was still performing at my best in my late twenties, getting in the early thirties. Um, but I retired from swimming in two thousand and nine, and really didn't know what to do with my life. I had all these skills. Um, I was able to kind of forge my way up to the top of a sport, but could I transfer it across? Um, in transferring it across, I started to learn that actually there was a lot of things that were applicable. I just needed to find a new route and a new passion. So I started a talk, get around on the speaking circuit, um, speaking to businesses, conferences, and yeah, nearly sort of um, 450,000 people later who I've spoken yeah. to, crowds of three to 5,000 down to two and three, okay. um, it, you know, it didn't matter with the size of the crowd, but yeah, it's, um, it's a new set of skills to learn to get that communication element across. Yes, for sure. And I, th- I always find it such an interesting thing because many of, you know, these world-class athletes, right? Like once they finish their career, they're yeah. in this exact same spot that you mentioned that like where you don't know what to do, right? Because for the last maybe yeah. 20, maybe even 30 years for some people, they've been following this one thing like monomaniacally yeah. and it di- yeah. they have no idea about anything else, right? Like they just know how to be an athlete basically. And they're That's like, whole identity is tied up in that. So how yeah, do you like, make the decision then? Like for you, when was it like the point where you're like, okay, this is something like, those are sort of the talents that I have outside of maybe, you know, just swimming. And that's yeah. how I can serve the world in a new way. Yeah, it, 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 it was quite stressful. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like putting labels on things, but I definitely went through something that was traumatic, so to speak. Um, and I suppose for many athletes, it starts with a hobby. It starts with a hobby. They invest all this time and energy for no return in money, so to speak. So there's no kind of investment that usually young as they do it so they're not really got money on their radar and then all of a sudden you're now starting to get somewhere you think oh hang on a second this is looking pretty good this so i think it was just for me that realization when i got into my 30s that like, it was okay to start again it's okay to start again that was a hard realization but a big one two that i've got all of these skills that i know how to get to the top of somewhere or how to kind of push the envelope a bit further and I wanted to apply them. I just needed to find that new passion. And that became frightening, a little bit scary. 
Um, I didn't want to start again because I was an Olympian and Olympian. Yeah. Was <laughs> You're all the way, like, like literally like your last yeah. race was like yeah. the Olympics, right? Yeah. So to get from there to like, what do I do now? Like, yeah. what, what did that and process look like for you? Like, well, it was interesting because I was asked to go and do a primary school and somebody said to me, oh, a guy who's been in an Olympic final doesn't want to go into a primary school. It was kind of said a little bit like, like that. And I thought, oh, do you know what? They maybe have a point. What am I doing? Anyway, I went in, did it because I said I was going to do it. And I like to stick to my word, went in, did it. And I absolutely loved it. Wow. I always remember my granddad saying when I was younger, younger to us, follow the things that make you lose track of time. <laughs> so if you lose track of time doing something and you, re, you, you look at your watch and you think, oh my God, that's two hours gone. How's that happened? Yeah. When you lose track of time, there's something in it for you. And I remember I had 30 minutes a lot for this time to speak to the children. I could see the head teacher going, hurry up. I'd taken 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just... <laughs> I thought I'd been I'm sure the kids were loving it, like much better, <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then 600 schools later and a couple of hundred businesses later, you know, I've, I've just kept going and following that passion. And it's interesting when you follow the things you love, coincidences start to happen. Um... And I read this book years ago called When God Winks. It's a fantastic book. It's only small. Um, I can't remember the author. But in essence, it was about this guy who was urged by his grandparent as well to follow the coincidences that happened as almost a North Star, if you like, um, as his guiding light. Um, it was very, it was kind of very spiritual, which I'm, you know, I'm really into. I quite like that side of things. Um, but it was really practical as well. And it all started with this guy wanting to be a radio DJ and his coincidence. And he started to write them down. I started to write mine down. I've had some crazy ones, Max, some yeah. insane ones. And it's always to do with whenever I'm following the thing I absolutely love and it's coming alive, things just slot into place and come in at just the right time, just when I need it. Wow. So what, what are some examples of that? Like how, how sort of that, those, that so, was created? Yeah, so I was in a I was in a school um, up near, near my local area, which I rarely did. Um, I did a lot more schools around London, which was kind of five or six hours drive away. So I used to drive there every week. Wow. Believe it or not, that is the case um, right there. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? It's crazy. So I used to drive down, do the schools, come back, and then I got this call to do a school in our local area, which I rarely got the chance to do. So I thought, oh, I'll do that. And I also believe in. Whenever you've got a passion, you've got a love for something, share it and tell people. So tell as many people as you can do. And you're going to meet loads of people who, don't, who aren't interested, people who kind of push it to one side, they'll be crass about it. And then all of a sudden you'll meet that one person who goes, ah, tell me more. <laughs> yeah. And I was in this school and one of the teachers had said, oh, now you're retired, what are you going to do? And I said, well, ultimately I'm doing this at the moment, but I'd really, really love to... Um, start my own learn to swim business and this PE teacher kind of sat there and she went oh okay and um, at lunchtime when I met back up with her after working with some of the young people she said um, did you realize we have a swimming pool in the building I was like no way she said yeah yeah come and have a look at this so we went along and had a little look and this is brand new 25 meter pool wow. four four lanes really wide lanes as well so for teaching swimming it's fab it wasn't narrow it was quite wide and she said, yeah, well, do you, do you want, do you want to use it? You said you wanted to start a learn to swim business. It's, it's free and I could allocate some space and some time for you. And straight there and then on the spot, I said, no, 
I said, no. <laughs> yeah, I said, no. I went, I, 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 no, no, I'm not ready. And, and the overwhelming thing was fear. I'd open my mouth, said I wanted yeah. to do something, <laughs> but actually paying for it was a different thing. And I got home, spoke to my wife, and my wife went, what are you doing, you idiot? Get, <laughs> like, get, get back, back there. Out, yeah, get back out there. And just little things like that that have happened. All right, you could say if I hadn't have said something, that wouldn't have kind of come off the back of it. But I do believe in following your own ethos and your own values and sharing what, what you believe in as well. And you're not always going to bump into the right people. Um, but that can help shape you as a person and as a character and just that, that was one of hundreds and hundreds of things that have happened over the last 10 years that have just slotted the place. It's insane. Well, I love that story. You know, it's, it, it's so interesting to me, like this, this idea that you mentioned of like literally putting out like the dream that you have, right? Because that yeah. is really the only way that other people then are going to like learn about it and know how they can support you. Right. Yeah, like it's, it's the only way. And oftentimes I feel like people like keep that dream inside, right? They don't want to tell anyone because they're scared. And, yeah. and that's why they always keep it for themselves. And that's why it never grows and never expands. But that's I mean, it. the way to get support from other people, right? To have think, people like share your mission. is yeah. like you have to just scream it from the rooftops, right? Like wherever <laughs> yeah. you go, like <laughs> this yeah. is that big dream. And do you know what? I think there's a couple of things in there. The first thing is most, most human beings want to help. When you ask for help, 90% yes. of the population, they want to help. So we often think, oh, we'll never get that meeting with that person. Well, you never will if you never ask. Yeah, right. <laughs> and if you're not frightened of the word no, you'll ask for most things. But the second thing is, and I think the most powerful thing is, the subconscious brain is always listening, always listening. Everything you say, everything you do, the conversations you have. And I think that reinforces your actions off the back of that. Because if you think about all the, all the things that our body does on a daily basis, a lot of it is subconscious. All of our habits and behaviors become subconscious. And that's when we repeat ourselves and repeat ourselves. Um, so I think by telling that story, it reinforces to my subconscious that this is what I'm after. So now my subconscious goes on the look for <laughs> swimming pools and any occasions that can help me achieve my goals and my targets, my dreams. So I think it's kind of twofold. Um, and that for me is really important. For sure. That, I mean, there's such an important point about the subconscious mind, like literally picking up on the things that you, you learn really to focus on, right? Yeah. Um, and then one thing you mentioned that was so interesting was you know, this idea that like once your dream sort of presents itself, right? Like once they offered you the, that, that swimming pool, and you say yeah. no, right? Because in that moment, yeah, like yeah. even though we, we consciously think we want this thing so badly, we yeah. keep telling people like, in the back of our minds, there's still this little doubt, right? That says, yeah, you really shouldn't do this. Like yeah. this is scary, this is uncomfortable. And like we talk ourselves out of our biggest dreams. Yeah, we so, do, yeah. <laughs> what we have do, you learned it? about, you know, not following that, that inner negative voice that says, hey, really quit here right now, right as you're about <laughs> to reach your dream. And instead, yeah. like, go for it. I think it's interesting because I think at the, ultimately at the core of it, I was probably scared. And this is going to sound strange. I was scared of success. Yeah. Um, again, I've, I've kind of unpicked that as I've gone, as kind of learning to be a coach. I coach in businesses now. I do conferences, very spits and pieces. And I understand that fear can be quite a multifaceted thing. It's not always about failure. People kind of associate failure with with fear with failure but it's not necessarily the case mine was based around being successful again um and probably that kind of overwhelming feeling of want 
of kind of starting again. Um, so for me, it was, I was just worried about starting again um, and looking like a fool by starting something that failed. And do you know what? It's really interesting, Max. In the last 10 years, if I really look back, I haven't been that successful at many things. That this is <laughs> this is the interesting thing. One or two things I've become successful at, but then when I really look back and I write it down, I've been massively unsuccessful at a lot of things. <laughs> and, I, and I look so really the fear shouldn't have been there in the first place. But we do often look at fear and our failure, sorry, and success as the opposite ends. And it's not true. Failure is actually a stepping stone to success. And it was embracing that again that I struggled with as well. Just embracing that that kind of success is on its way. Don't fear it. Just take off the handbrake. And then if you can get to the realization that there was no handbrake in the first place, now you're flying. <laughs> uh, that's the interesting kind of sort, of sort of edge to it. You know, I love that so much, especially this idea that like, oftentimes we don't fear failure as much as we fear success. So actually, mm. uh, like later today or tonight, I'm going to be interviewing a, another guy called Kenny Weiss. And he really breaks this down so beautifully. He's written a whole book on it, basically. But cool. basically, the whole idea behind it is like, if you like people aren't afraid of failure, because like, if that was really stopping you, then wouldn't you act right? Because then, yeah. like, when you decide not to act, yeah. when you decide not to ask out that pretty person, when you decide not to, you know, get that swimming pool, you've already failed. Like, yeah. this is such a beautiful thing to me. You've already failed, like by not giving it your best. And so Absolutely. the thing people are really afraid of is like looking like a fool, like you say, right? It's, yeah. it's like success. What would it be like, like if I succeeded a thing and like, I have to start from scratch, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's all of these, these sort of underlying fears. That is so interesting. And a lot of them can come from when you were younger. You know, you can go back and therapy generally, if you go through therapy, it generally goes over the past to kind of work out how to fix the future and the present. But when, when you kind of go at it with a kind of growth mindset looking forward, you don't really need your past. You just need to have a little bit of an awareness of it. But to stop repeating those, those moments, history repeating itself, if you like. Um, and when I looked, when I looked, took a little, little tiny look back over my shoulder, I realized that there were certain things, kind of what people thought of me became a, a heel. It kind of held me back a little bit. So I do have to give myself a little bit of a stern talk to whenever I go into a new arena or I'm starting something that's a little bit risky. I do have to kind of set myself up to go, hang on a second, I'm going to get those feelings. It's perfectly normal. However, it's not perfectly normal to hold on to them. We've got to let them go. We've got to push them to one side and, and go for what we need to go for. Um, but it's perfectly natural to feel those feelings and have those kind of, those, those fears. For sure. And I mean, self-awareness here really is, is what this reminds me of. Yeah. Like you have to be aware of the things that like subconsciously even are holding you back from being your best self, right? And then actively address it. And I think what Absolutely. happens is most people try to, try to hide away from that, right? They try to drown out that noise of their inner, you know, yeah. negative voice and try to, you know, watch movies or eat a bunch of junk food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a distraction. Yeah. It's not a solution. That's a big problem. Absolutely. And like, like the thing that really spoke to me, you mentioned a couple minutes ago, um, especially when it comes to passions, like I love how you, how you put it or define that as like losing track of time. That's the thing that yeah. you need to do. That is, yeah. that is such a beautiful idea. I think that like a way to really describe and understand, like what does it really mean? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I think 
there's been lots of occasions in my life, you know, when when I was going through college, I became a lifeguard um, where I sat on the side, watched the sessions and watched things happening in the pool. And, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't my passion. It was just all I was doing was trying to get money to get through college and get through university. And what was really interesting was um, a half an hour felt like three hours. <laughs> Not there for for half an hour, and I was like, "Surely it's lunchtime. Surely oh, yes. it's lunchtime." <laughs> like now, nine thirty, nine thirty a.m. And and then when I started to bridge the gap and and teach, and and I had six little ones in front of us, all vying for my attention, I had to keep it interest and play some games and make their swimming session progressive. I was all of a sudden stimulated in a totally different way. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm overrunning on the lesson. Quickly, everybody get out. Next group are getting in. <laughs> that half an hour went within, I felt like two minutes. And it wow. still hasn't changed. I'm 40 now. And I still get in the water and teach little ones. And I, and I don't want that to end. Um, hopefully, I can keep on juggling the, the balls and business to make sure that I get to do that um, all the time. Because that's the one thing I do really enjoy as well. I enjoy that kind of human interaction. So whichever job I go into and whatever work I go into, it's always got to be human, human face to face. Um, whilst I love technology and I love all that stuff, you know, really my, my main passion is just seeing the whites of people's eyes and working with them. Um, and especially when I'm stood on stage work, working with an audience, I like to be with them sharing it um, as opposed to telling, if you know what I mean. I don't feel like I tell a story. I feel like I share a story. I know it's kind of a play on words, but it means a big difference for me. Yeah, so, so what does it mean for you? Like you just more like this this sort of emotional and like non-preaching yeah. sort of voice? Or yeah. What? yeah. Yeah, it's a non it's just sharing my personal findings. That's what I'm I'm sharing. It's there's no right or wrong about it. You know, when I'm talking to businesses, I talk about the moment that my swimming career took off was when I started to focus on two lengths. That's all I had to do is swim two lengths of the pool as fast as I could. Forget the medals, forget the crowds, forget all of the craziness that goes on the razzmatazz. Because when you go to major games, there is so many distractions. They're, they're everywhere, every minute of every day. And actually, the, the one the athletes who get the most out of that, their career in that moment are the ones that go there and do the job. They're there to swim however many lengths they swim, but mine was two. Two lengths of the pool as fast as I could. All of the decisions and choices I make must be based around, is this going to help me swim two lengths faster? If not, wow. you need to get rid of it. And it became a hugely powerful tool, and it's the tool that I now I now share on stage with businesses, and um, a fair few have taken it on, and it's really changed things. It's challenged them definitely, because people come out with things like, "Oh, well, we've always done it this way." <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's not that, really reason, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not. But that was my ego as well. That was my ego state. Hang on a second. I've become this successful doing it this way. Why do I need to change? Well, what's got me here won't get me to the next level. And when I got into that top 10 in the world, there was no real need to change. If so to speak, I was creeping up. But really, in all fairness, when I answered it honestly and openly, the question of what do I want when I look back over my career, I want to be able to know I've done everything I could and I'm satisfied. And I heard Michael Phelps, who's just a phenomenal swimmer, a phenomenal athlete. I heard him say something similar at a press conference kind of five years ago um, when he was talking about his own career and what's kind of the most um, special moment. And he, he was talking about medals and various moments, but then he kind of rounded off by saying, looking back over my career, knowing I did everything I could and feeling I'm satisfied. And that kind of res it really resonated with me. I thought, yeah, that's kind of 
how I feel at the end of my career, whilst there's always opportunities where you go, I've missed that chance, I've missed that medal, I look back and think, hang on a second, I laid everything down that I possibly could do at the time, and I'm really proud of it. And ultimately, I think that's what we're here to do. We're here to not compare ourselves. Comparing only gets you so far. Comparing wraps you up in the competition, and often you don't fulfill your potential. When you start to look back over your own journey and look up, truly reflect inside with the right coach and a mentor, and we, we can draw out some phenomenal things. Yes, I, I love this idea of process over results. And this yeah. is something that, that comes up really over and over again yeah. when I talk to athletes like you. Like, yeah. They've really been to the top of the top of the game, right? It's like, like the medals and the wins and the records. Yes, that's cool and stuff. But that's not really what actually makes you fulfilled over the long run. And then, you know, when you look back 20 years later, most people don't remember like, oh, I won this race or I set this record, yeah. right? They remember like, man, I left it all out there like every yeah, single day yeah. with it's in a pool on a track, right? Absolutely. And like, like, like you remember the moments when like you just gave it your all with like your best friends yeah. or teammates and you were like striving for the goal of everything you had. But what worrying so much? Right. Like, am I going to win or lose? And yeah, you're right. I love that because you sort of alluded to it. Like at the end of the day, the the purpose of athletics shouldn't be to win. It should be to like become more as a person, right? It should be to have a great time. And I think that's something that people oftentimes forget when they get so caught up in like winning and losing and records and times. It's like, you're supposed to have a great time and just, you know, become (laughs) a better person because of it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it can. It can get tricky though. And you're absolutely right, Max. You know, the last, my last race was the Olympic final. Um, and we were two lanes away from the American team. Michael Phelps won his eighth gold medal in Beijing. I was in that race. And hidden, it's a hidden, what I call a hidden success. Nobody really wrote about us. Nobody talked about the British team. But actually within that, I had a, a, a swim within that race that I was so proud of. Yeah. Because I'd had such a bad individual race two or three days before and managed to turn it around. Wow. That for me was just... To, to to use all the skills to push heartbreak to one side to eventually then perform at my very best again two nights later. That's the bit I'm proud of. I'm proud of the gap in between there. And I felt as though the 20 years I was in swimming, I was almost gearing up for that, that moment <laughs> to all of the skills that I had to employ were drawn back from when I was 12, 16, 19, 22, when I had injuries, illnesses, you know, moments when... I really wanted to pack in. I felt all of those emotions all in that short space of time. Um, So when I'm talking to businesses, I talk about kind of not just coping with disappointment, but thriving through disappointment. And there's a a big difference between that subtlety there. Wow, I love that. So, so, I mean, we we mentioned this this picture right behind me before, right? (laughs) (laughs) The power of mindset, the power of belief. So in those, you know, two, three days before the races, how do you approach that mentally? Like, what did you do to really turn this around and, and go from, you know, having a bad race to having, like, a great race? What do you do then? I tapped into why I was there in the first place. I remember um, Adam Peaty's, who Adam Peaty, who is one of the best breaststroke swimmers in the world, he, at the moment, his coach is called Melanie Marshall. And Mel Marshall, she's a phenomenal character. She pulled me to one side um, the day after my individual race, and I was still really upset and she said a lot of things, but the one phrase that kind of hit me really hard, but I needed to hear it was, stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the team. Wow. And I was like, wow, and it hit me. It did hit me hard. But she was absolutely right, and I, and I, I, I thank her so much for it in the, 
the previous. Because at that moment in time, I was wallowing, I was in self-pity, I was kind of in victim mode, and and the victim mode in our own mindset can be very, very powerful. And once you get into that mindset, it only sees opportunities to create the victim even further. And we start having conversations off the back of it, and then those conversations confirm it. People put their arm around us and go, oh, sorry, you're a victim sort of thing, and it just perpetuates it. And as, as she left, I thought, yeah, you're right. I need to work out why I was here in the first place. And if I was to speak to the nine-year-old me who started this journey, who walked into that swimming pool for the first time, petrified, not knowing what he was doing, didn't really have four decent strokes, was just splashing and thrashing around. And I tapped into that and I remembered watching the 1988 Olympic Games and I could see it in my own mind, playing it back in my granddad's living room, watching the games, watching people like Adrian Morehouse, Greg Luganis winning gold medals at that game. just thinking, I want to experience that. And it was that that started to turn it around. It was tapping into why did I start the journey in the first place? It's really easy to get distracted. It's so easy, especially in business, actually. It's easy to start off with one product and end up completely different in a different direction. But we must never lose sight of why we start something in the first place because that holds the magic. That holds the key to the success. And, and, and ultimately, that's why that's how I got back up there and got back going again. And I realized that in that moment, it, it doesn't matter about the mistake that happened yesterday or the day before, even 30 seconds ago. What matters is the opportunities that present now in front of us, the moment, living in the moment. Very hard to do when you're disappointed, but not impossible. It's not impossible. Yes, for sure. And what, that, I love that story, first of all. And then like what's so interesting to me is like over time, like in life, as we, you know, sort of reach more success in, in whatever area, our yeah. standards change so dramatically, right? So yeah. if you go back, you know, to a little kid that, you know, barely, you know, could hold himself over the water, right? That yeah. kid's dream, like that kid would have been like the most excited kid in the world to like think about even being at the Olympics 20 years later, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and yet you were there now, like, ah, shoot, like I would, uh, you know? Like yeah. I didn't perform as well as I could, but like to your younger self, that would have been the dream. Absolutely. So I, I love this idea of like going back in time and seeing like, Hey man, like where I am today is really like, I could have only dreamed about that years ago. Uh, perspective. It is about yes. perspective. And like you said, mindset is everything because your reality is created, created off the back of it. I had just created a victim reality in that moment. And and yeah, and, and, and me being, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser, Max. I, I like I like outer harmony. I know exactly who I am and I like outer harmony. Um, and I like the people around me to be enjoying something, getting something out of whatever we're doing. So when Mel said that, she really kind of hit an acupuncture point, if you like. She really triggered us, but all in the right way and all for the right reasons. And it was it was that that kind of started. It was, oh, crikey, I've got to, I've got to pick up not only for myself, but for the team. People are relying on me here. And, and I'm grateful for it. And it's lived with me. It's lived, it's, it, was, it was a poignant moment. That's definitely lived with me. Yeah, I love it. And also, what you mentioned about the team, right? So I was running cross-country and track and field in, in college in the U.S., actually. Cool. And there's the same thing. Like, you go from, you know, in Germany, first, there was always this individual environment. Yeah. And then you go to the U.S. and you, like, run with, like, your university team, right? And all yeah. of a sudden, it's, it's about something bigger than yourself. Because if you have a yeah. bad race, that's going to pull down the whole team. Absolutely. And so, like, through that, I learned that, like, even if I was having, you know, a really bad race where like it really didn't matter anymore, like on an individual level, how, you know, how bad it was, like yeah. the, for the team, it still mattered. And so I still had to try yeah. to maximize my performance, even if it's, it was going to be bad, but I still had to make it as good as possible. 
Absolutely. So how can teams use that? Like, how can, you know, they use, you know, accountability and this team spirit, really, um, think, to, to boost everyone's performance? I think um, one thing is, one thing that I build into my business is sharing. We, there's a lot of sharing within the business. Um, so there's nine teachers that we've got now teaching within wow. our business, our Learn to Swim business. It's really grown. It's grown from kind of two or three teachers to nine. We know exactly what we want to be. We know exactly where we want to be. And we're not a million miles off. Um, but we share a lot and um, we allow individuals to be individuals. It's, it's okay to be yourself. And we have that same within the team. You know, we all teach in a slightly different way, but we follow kind of a very similar ethos. So the children often arrive at the same point at the same time. Um, but they'll go through slightly different processes with different teachers. So some teachers are very games oriented. Some are very structured. Some mix the two together. The one thing's for sure is we allow the teachers to get their own personality across and we trust them. We've got to trust them. The third thing is we've got to have some sort of shared risk. The risk can't be all loaded on the business or it can't be all loaded on a handful of individuals. It has to be kind of a shared risk because when you have that environment where your whole team is pulling together because there's a risk it could fail, there's a risk it could, it could, could succeed sort of thing, you then get everybody pulling in a similar direction when it's all loaded just on the business, that's when you get stress at one end and it's, and it's and there's an imbalance. So getting that balance right is so important. That is so and interesting. Think, so how do you do that? Like by, by having people like get shares basically in the company or how, how do yeah. you? Yeah. So we, yeah. So we've got kind of shares in the business, but not just that either. You know, we, we've realized that not everybody wants financial gain. Not everybody's after it, just financial gain. There's other things. There's kind of, um, there's positive feedback. There's developmental feedback how they get that feedback face to face or do they get it via um, social media. So we've got to learn kind of what makes that person tick. If they're an extrovert, chances are they're going to want something kind of out there in razzmatazz because that's what they want to do. They want to celebrate it with a crowd of people. I'm introverted, so I prefer it just nice and quietly and I prefer to celebrate it on my own in my own kind of thoughts, if you like. Um, but yeah, and, it, and it's just about learning and understanding who we're working with and who we're dealing with. Personality testing helps, but it's not everything. I've seen businesses use personality testing very well, but that's not to say that a person can't develop their character and their characteristics. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm a painful introvert, Max, but I've <laughs> wow. learned to stand on stage and extrovert myself when I need to. I've learned to dial that side of my personality up because it's a characteristic and a trait that I've learned along the pro along the process. Um, but yeah, that shared risk is 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 definitely something that is hugely valuable to teams. Understanding where they're going as well and communicating that, and you know, celebrating the highs and the lows. I think that's important. I think a lot of businesses try to kind of glance over the low points. Um, I think they should be spoken about and opened up and, and explained that it's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. And people start to trust you. You know, when I pick up the phone and I apologize for something that I've done or we've done wrong or inadvertently we maybe didn't realize, it builds trust. You suddenly disarm people like, oh, okay, there's no fight here. Yeah. And, and it's the same with, with uh, here calling them staff members, team members within the team. They're not staff to me. They're team members. We're pulling in the same direction. And that's our ultimate goal. Wow. I, I, there's, there's so much great stuff here that I really want to want to dissect a little bit. First of all, I think the, the risk sharing is brilliant. Um, yeah. That it really 
forces everyone to have skin in the game, right? It forces yeah. everyone to really yeah. give it their best and, and, and really engage in this, this project and this, this big vision, yeah. right? And then, then also this, this awareness that you seem to have around really the individuals in your team, like the actual team members, it sounds like they're more like family than you yeah, know, business yeah. partners. And, and I think just like ability to really trust someone is so key is like yeah. when you like, when you would, you know, like take a bullet for someone, right? Like that's yeah. a very different environment when you're yeah. just like so close knit group and instead of, you know, just working and then sort of yeah. doing the handshake and saying goodbye. Right. Yeah. So, I think, I think you're right. And I think one thing that started to transpire with the team and it's taken a while to get there is whenever we get new members on board, they have to they have to slot in with our ethos it's really hard to find find i'm not saying find good people because it's not that we have found some phenomenal people in the past they just haven't quite matched up with where we're going and what we're doing and that's okay that's okay one thing that's starting to happen now instead of me bumping my gums and talking about it and telling people and sharing it now the team are showing it and doing it so when somebody new comes in they either have to get on board with what's happening because it's right in front of them and they stick out like a sore thumb <laughs> or they go, actually, this is not for me. And they, 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 they go away. So for us as a team, it's kind of, it's almost policing itself in many respects and um, from the behavior, the traits, anything that kind of, um, not really explaining myself very well here, but if, if something was slightly off of the teacher, it would be alarm bells ring straight away. It would be there as plain as day in front of the others because they're in the next lane with each other teaching. Um, so then it becomes very, very clear. No, but I, I love that. I think that is such an important and critical aspect that like the ability to give feedback, honest feedback yeah. around like, hey, yeah. you're messing up right now, right? Yeah. Like, this is the <laughs> yeah. standard we're setting as a team, as a group, as a family, yeah. as you know, friend circle, whatever it is. And like yeah. you being down here, like lift up yeah. your game again. Right. And I think Absolutely. You those people, like those are like really literally my favorite people in life or the people yeah. that can literally just tell me in the face, Max, like you're not being the person yeah. you, you want to be right. Like this is not yeah, like yeah. the level you want to reach. Right. And so and the, I love this, this constant, like pushing each other and, and almost like policing, like you say, not in like a negative way of like looking for all the bad stuff. Right. But like in trying to lift everyone up, that is really, yeah. Definitely, there's definitely a balance, there's a dance to be had, if you like, um, between it, because, you know, it, it can't always be positive all the time. Um, and there is some constructive feedback, but I always stick to what's working well and what could be even better. In those conversations, when you structure it around, hey, listen, I've seen this happen, you're getting great feedback from this, have you considered the opposite? Have you considered going down this route? It might help strengthen. And it just, yeah, it just helps to kind of build that trust that if there was something going on, if there was something negative happening in the business, then I would approach them and tell them I wouldn't keep it quiet. And I don't. I don't keep it quiet. Um, so, I, and I think the last thing that I was going to say was making sure everybody's on board with your mission. You know, I see a lot of businesses and I asked the room straight away to a team. I said, can you tell me the, can I tell me, can you tell me your mission? Yeah. And straight away, you'll, you'll get the books out and start flicking through the papers. So, <laughs> Wait, someone on PowerPoint, like. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, if it can't trip off your tongue and it's not reasonably sexy, it's not really a mission <laughs> statement. It's just something that is written there that is convoluted and just looks good and because everybody else does it. It has to, this is why I stuck with me two lengths was I'm there to swim two lengths of the pool as fast as I could. Now we teach swimming within the business. That's what we do. 
as a coach, I help people. That's what I do. I, I help people fulfill their own potential, whatever that is. And if I have to help them highlight their blind spots, that's what I'm there to do. I'm there to shine a torch on the dark, those dark places and help them through it and, and guide them through it. And, and I know this because I do it on a daily basis with myself. I'm not the full, complete human being and know what I want to be, really. Because um, that's the joy, isn't it? That's the joy is working through the challenges and enjoying the, the triumphant moment, the euphoria when you get the top. Yes, I love that, like this process, and and you sort of alluded to it before with like personality tests, right? I'm like, yeah, I like this is a very unpopular opinion, but I hate personality tests, and and the reason being is that like they always seem to like convince people that there are a certain way to have a certain set of yeah. abilities and traits and characteristics, yeah. and people yeah. think they can't change anymore. Which I is totally. isn't the case, right? Like whether it's totally. like you mentioned introversion, extroversion, whether it's yeah. your happiness, whether it's your confidence, whether it's yeah. your public speaking skills. Like the research has just shown, like over and over again. I've had some great guys, like um, Dr. Michael Mertzenig and and um, oh. and Dr. Anders Ericsson, um, who who's sort of the father of this ten thousand hour rule that says, yeah. like, how do you work? The more you get out of life, right? Like in any area, right? And so the research has just shown over and over again. That you can develop until the like the day you yeah. die, right? Yeah. So I think this awareness, just knowing that you can improve, and Absolutely. that you know, even like you, you take a completely different course suddenly. Yeah. But you also again want to be great, right? You don't want to you know, just yeah. be mediocre, but you want to be great speaker. You want to be That's great it. coach, right? And I, and I think you know it's got its place. Personality testing it helps you understand what's your preference, what's your go to, what's your default setting. That's like you say, Max. I totally agree. And that's not to say that you can't shine a torch on where you want to go, which could be the opposite end yeah. of that personality trait and head in that direction. That for me is about building character. And the only way to build character, and I talk about this in my coach, and I, I coach online and do various bits and pieces, I talk about this, is, is about growth through the challenge. And it's about growing as a person through the challenge. And if we look at the challenges that are in front of us, work out who you need to be in order to fulfill that challenge, that's the that becomes the target it becomes the target of you developing your characteristics so for me it was about gaining that confidence to stand on stage and talk how was i going to do it it wasn't going to happen in the back room of my of, of my study just staring against the wall practicing it that would only get me so far i had to take flight and I had to get in front of people and test it and do you know what some of the jokes didn't go down well some of the stories didn't finish right some of the videos didn't play in the right order I've made all of those mistakes. I've tripped up on stage. I've gone on stage and my mouth's gone so dry that I could barely get a word out. The whole lot. But it's made me the speaker I am today, which is I've got a few gigs coming up this week. And I'm, I'm just that nice nervousness about us. I've got that kind of excited, fearful, that kind of vibe going on, which is don't want to mess up. Can't wait to get out there and talk. And now that's taken a long time to get there. But I'm excited to share. This is the main thing. I'm excited to get out there and share. And and actually, I've morphed and developed my characteristics on stage as the speaker that I am. And it's not that I'm trying to be somebody else because I'm not. I'm authentically me. But I'm just trying to be the best version of me. And, and every talk gets me closer and closer to that. So we have to grow through the challenge. And that is the main thing. And, and, I, and I also say to a lot of my... Um, coaches and mentees I often say to them you know when you get to the position where you look back over a bad experience and you're grateful for it that's when you've nailed it 
That yes. is when you've nailed it. When you look back on a bad experience and you go, that was awful, but look at who I am now. Massive tick in the box, double thumbs up. Absolutely love that. And, and you know, this, this idea, like, it reminds me again of this idea that you mentioned, like, in the beginning of our interview, of starting again from the bottom, right? Because yeah. you, you were all the way up there as a swimmer, right? Yeah. And then you changed careers, right? And you sort of yeah. start again as, like, this little kid just barely trying to you know, <laughs> yeah, stay yeah. over the water, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but, like, how do you, you know, because I'm, I'm sure you've learned over time how to become the best, like, mentally, right? So how have you pro- approached this, this new sort of arena of your life of public speaking and coaching to, again, become one of the best in the world? I got, I got a brand new, um, I wouldn't say a brand new team around me. I had people in my swimming career who helped me get to the top swim coach, weight coach, physiologist, physiotherapist, anything with an ologist on the end. I was trying <laughs> to employ to help me get there. And obviously I had a sports psychologist who's called Simon Hartley. He also speaks on the circuit, very, very good speaker, great sports psychologist as well, business coach. And I worked with him in my career and I realized that I needed to kind of move on and do something different. I maybe needed to work with people who didn't know my past as such. They knew of it, but they didn't know me as the swimmer. And I started to create a slightly different team and that, that helped massively. And it wasn't about getting rid of the old to make way for the new or anything like that. It was more to do with kind of changing perspectives and, and seeking the challenge from a slightly different angle. And I just needed that little bit of different guidance. Um, subsequently, I've come full circle and I still work with Simon, my sports psychologist. But wow. <laughs> going through the 10-year process of working with other people has helped me scaffold a completely different viewpoint. Um, and and that's, that's made a massive difference is just being open to new things just because I've always done it and this has always made me successful doesn't mean to say it's going to make me successful in the future um, and just being appreciative of that and open you know what we live in an, in an era now where the pace of change will never be this slow again it, it's getting faster and faster <laughs> isn't it the pace of change For is getting sure. faster and faster and, and, and we need to find a way of striking that balance and I think that's two words missing in this society now is balance and moderation it's something I always include in my coaching and mentoring, whether it's a young person or an older person, we've got to find that balance, or, sorry, not find that balance, we've got to create that balance. It's, it's, it's in our power, it's in our hands. Yeah, it sounds like this, this really ability to be self-aware, to understand yeah. who you are right now and who you need yeah. to be in order to execute on your dreams. And yeah. then the willingness to constantly reinvent yourself, right? To constantly surround mm. yourself with the right kind of people, whether it's yeah. sports psychologists or whatever yeah. kind of else is, right? Yeah. That, that is really so critical. And so I love the point that you're making here. Now, yeah. on the show, we always love to celebrate failure as yeah. a stepping stone for, you know, building more character, building more resilience. So throughout your career, I'm sure there's been many, many failures. Yeah. Does anyone stick out in particular that really pushed you to go deep down inside and ask yourself, like, how can I become better because of this? Yeah, there, there was one occasion um, when I started one of my speaking careers. When I started my speaking career, sorry, um, I got this call to go in to do this talk at this school. It's a big school in the local area with 2,000 children, wow. 2,000 students. It was secondary and um, further education. Um, and I got this call to come along and present some awards and I thought okay I've not really spoken that much I've maybe done 10 15 speaking engagements so to take on something big was, was quite a big thing anyway the head teacher reassured us that it was only a small group there's only maybe 20 or 30 students 
they were all going to be kind of 12, 13 year olds. So that kind of helped a little bit. Because <laughs> um, at the time I was kind of fearing the 15, 16, 17 year olds. Oh, those are the evil ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll see right through me. And um, as the weeks went on, I had kind of four or five weeks to prepare for it because it was an, an event. Um, the head teacher called me up and said, listen, we, we've added a few more to the list. Is it okay if you kind of speak to maybe 100? <laughs> I was thinking, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll speak to 100. Three days before, and the school called me up and said, listen, we've, we've got a little bit excited that you're coming along. And we've just thought we'd invite the whole school. And <laughs> we're going to hire out this auditorium. We've got the grandparents and parents coming. I was thinking, oh my God, no what have I let myself into? Me being a people pleaser was like, I'm on the phone going, yeah, 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 that, that's not a problem at all. I'll be there thinking, oh my goodness, oh, what am I going to do? Wow. So gets to the day and I had my Olympic tracksuit on, walked in there, had all my medals and various bits of the show. Sure enough, this hall was packed and it was just, it was insane. Wow. I got invited up onto the stage and I had that kind of out of body experience where you kind of, you're so nervous, you don't really know what's happening. You're just like, I just want this to be done. And as I got up onto the stage, I tripped over and fell flat on my face. No way. <laughs> I, went, I went skidding right across the stage and everybody burst out laughing. And I got up and I forgot my words. My mouth went dry. It was just nuts. Oh. And... I remember getting off stage and I'd taken um, a friend along to give me a bit of feedback on um, how I'll do this. <laughs> he said that it sticks with me. He just said, hey, you know, at least the next time can't be any worse than that, surely. <laughs> and, you know, actually, I was ready to give, I was ready to go, that's enough, that's a sign from the good Lord of all yeah, it's, it's not this, is, this is not my thing, move on. And I thought, yeah. And now I include it in my talks. I include it in my talks. Yeah. It become a part of my journey that I now share with people. We go, hey, I'm glad you've enjoyed this talk, but let me tell you where I started. <laughs> and and thank goodness I've not skidded across anybody's stage since. Or oh, that's great. <laughs> out a scream or anything like that. But yeah, do you know what? That's a that's a funny one. But I've had lots and lots. I've had some in business where I've lost money. Um, I've invested money into something where I've thought it's gonna go, it's gonna go, it's gonna go. It's gone nowhere, but I see it as, I see it as signals. I see it as messages to help me understand that later down the line, there's something bigger. There's something bigger that I'm going to learn from this occasion now that will save me either money, time, heartache later down the line. And that's the way I see it. So when these moments come along in life, I think to myself, okay, well, this is preparation for something. Let's take a lesson. Let's, and I do believe things come into two bundles, lessons or blessings. And if you take on board the lessons properly, you can turn them into blessings. And there's not many I look back on that I resent or regret, if I'm honest with you. Absolutely love that. No, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic story. And I think this, mm. like the ability to make fun of your own failures and embarrassment <laughs> yeah. is, is such yeah. a key component to, to life and it to is. joy in life, really. It is. Um, it is. And I'm, I'm the same way. Like, like I always tell those stories of like my failures because I think that's how like people can actually learn from something, right? Like it doesn't help much to just say, yeah. oh, I'm the greatest, right? I won like, you know, Commonwealth Games, which you did, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it just doesn't help people as much as, as learning about, you know, all the times yeah. when you were, you know, in the pool at like 5 a.m. just, yeah. you know, ready to just quit and go home. Right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like, those are the moments that like we actually need to understand and stay strong. Because it's easy Absolutely. to be good. It's easy to be strong when we're all the way on top, right? Yeah, it is. Like, how do you perform? How do you show up when 
you know, chips are against you and all you want to do is go home and quit and like cry and whatever, <laughs> right? So true. You know, I always say to people, mastery is boring. Mastering something is boring. It requires monotony. It requires you to constantly turn up and do the basics better than anybody else. And we have to overcome that hurdle as well. And I think you're right, you know, learning from your mistakes and not taking yourself too seriously. And often I think as well, Max, in life, the person keeping score often is just us. We, we convince ourselves that other people are watching yeah. us and the failure that they're going to see us do. And actually, they're not bothered because they're yeah, concentrating okay, right? on themselves. <laughs> but we, we have that perception. And I think that held me back for a long time, which was I can't start something new because the, the rhetoric going on in my brain, the, the constant self-talk was that other people think I'm going to fail at something again. But once I highlighted that, once I shone a torch in that dark space, I realized that that was just a thought. It's just a thought. If I repeat it enough, it becomes a belief. And that's when we've got a bit of a problem because a belief turns into a knowing. And so if we can catch it as a thought and we can challenge it as a thought, we can ultimately change the belief. But that takes time. But we're all in a, we're all in a goddamn rush these days. <laughs> Everyone's in a rush. Everyone wants to be yeah. yesterday. Whereas if you just enjoy the challenge, we can thrive through it. We can take time. And then when we look back over our own view, we can see something phenomenal. Yeah, that is a powerful idea that like any meaningful change will take some time. And I Absolutely. see so many times, right? Like people just want these quick fixes, right? These yeah. instant diets or like instant yeah. workouts where like they lose 30 pounds in like two weeks, right? Or a pill, but, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it just doesn't work, right? Like it just, like there's, a, like there's a certain process to achieving results. There's a certain process to being happy. And yeah. if you want to achieve that, you've got to do the work. And Absolutely. there's simply no, no shortcuts that, that people constantly look for. Yeah, we live in a society of contrast now, especially now. You know, you can get things on order. I've ordered something at 8 o'clock in the morning online and had it by tea time. Wow. It's crazy. So we live in that world where if our phone doesn't send a text, we're like hitting our phone. Like, what's happening? I think it's got to send it to space and back. It's kind of doing a pretty major job. But then on the flip side, those things that are worth achieving, those things that are kind of worth savoring, they take time. They take time. We can't rush it. And... I think we get some wonderful examples in nature as well. When you look at nature, it, it, it doesn't fight. It just grows. It just develops. It just thrives in its environment. And um, I heard a story not so long ago about poppies, how, where poppies grow. There's a, there's a lovely YouTube clip. I can't remember what it was. There's a YouTube clip where poppies growing everywhere, growing out of walls and kind of really tough situations. But there's no fight about them. There's just this kind of presence. And I, I love that. I absolutely yeah. love We can learn a lot from nature lot yes for sure there's this constant evolution right constant every day like the slow progress right and what this also reminds me of if you look at you know people for example that win the lottery millions of bucks like at the same time right usually like two months later they're no happier than they were before because like they didn't earn it and i think this this aspect of earning what you're given in life is so critical because if you give if you get the money off the sun but you didn't do anything i was like you know fill out a bunch of you know (laughs) paper forms like you're not gonna feel like you actually deserve that money or like you deserve happiness from that but like earning it in a way that actually you know lifts up the world that actually inspires people makes the world a better place i think is one of the greatest things you can do i totally agree and i think some of the things i'm the most proud of especially in this chapter that i'm that i'm in now is the people who I'm helping help their dreams. 
So this kind of going back to that kind of shared risk, there's also a shared dream making going on within the business. You know, if I help you achieve your dreams, then this is going to slot into me achieving my dreams. And there's kind of, whilst we're all going in slightly different directions with our own personal life, we come together as a, as a business fraternity, if you like, a cohort to move together towards an, an ultimate goal. And that for me is, is fabulous working out where does, where do your team members want to go? What's important for them? And growing with them and changing with them. You know, we've had, um, I'm sure we're going to have challenges in the future where people want to go off and start families. And that's going to, that is going to happen in, in time. And hopefully we can be there to support them and see their families grow. That's what I really want. Um, and that's where it becomes more than just a business. And, you know, I, I hear people say that there's, you've got to get the life work balance. You know, I, this is, this is where I feel really lucky because I don't feel like I have to do that because my work is my life and my life it's is all, my work. It's all, one, yeah. all in one and it always has been. Um, and I'm proud of that. Um, so I've never had to find the balance. I've always just created the balance across all the things I want to do. But it has, again, it, the common theme, it comes back to what do you want? What brings you alive? What makes you lose track of time? And you start from that point, you grow something from there. Phenomenal things can, can can come knocking on the door, and doors that you didn't even know existed open. Um, it's insane. Yes, for sure. And oftentimes it's just this process of engaging with something, right? Trying things out, like like you say, seeing like where do I actually lose track of time? Like what actually yeah. makes me so excited? I want to jump out of bed in the morning, yeah. and then engaging in those things. Now, Chris, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up now, but. Oh. Before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? What's you know your website, your you know business website, any social media links you want to share here? Oh, cool. So yeah, it's www.chriscookgb.com. That's my website. Um, Twitter is at chriscookgb.com, and it's Chris Cook on on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always reposting things, sharing things, um, and I'm going to bring out a few new products, a few online products in the next couple of months, which I'm really excited about. So I really want to share my knowledge, and yeah, I've got a couple of um, got a big cohort of people who I mentor and and coach now around the world, which is fantastic and something I really enjoy. So yeah, love that. I'm going to link to that as well. Now the Thank final you. question is: What is your quest for greatness? So what is that big vision that you want to create for your life? And how can listeners maybe right now, you know, hearing this, how can they support you along that quest? Um, I want to create something in my, especially in my local area, that wasn't there beforehand. I want people to look back and think it's different because he turned up. <laughs> That's what I'd like to have happen. I want to leave something positive behind. I want to make sure that. It, there is a legacy that continues so i'm talking more from my learn to swim but also for my other business which is coaching people i want people to feel that i made the difference not just a little bit of difference the difference and i've i feel really blessed because when i i, I get letters in the post from people who say they were sat at the back of a of a talk i gave and they were crying because it hit the, it really hit them hard and it made them realize a few things that for me is is the gift that keeps on giving because i'm sharing a story that was personal to me but it's actually having a profound effect on other people so for me the ultimate message in it all to answer your question is that i left the place a little bit more positive and a little bit more upbeat than what it was when i found it <laughs> all right guys that's it for today i really hope you enjoyed this episode i hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems 
that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's gonna set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really wanna challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now guys, at this point, I wanna ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.